You are listening to a replay of Cowboy State Politics live from March 9th. And here we go. And there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another mind-blowing installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone, and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be back in Buffalo, Wyoming. You know, when you grow up here, you never you never think that you're going to utter something like that. In fact, what you try to do when you're growing up is get the heck out of here. Then when you get older, the only thing you want to do is come back. And after spending two months in the middle swamp, it, it, it felt like a weight had lifted off of my shoulders when I crossed the Johnson County line. Well, that being said, my friends, yesterday was International Women's Day. Now, you wouldn't have known that because the Wyoming media didn't report on it and they didn't tell you. Now, perhaps it was on the radio, but it certainly wasn't in the cow pie or in the Pravda on the Platte. But me, being a big fan of women, I thought we should dedicate at least part of the program to filling the void that was left by the sometimes, more often than not, idiotic media. Now, we begin this morning with an article in The Blaze entitled, Oh Boy, Trudeau and Other Leftists Offer the Message You'd Expect from Them on International Women's Day, published yesterday, and I quote... Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau declared that trans women are women in a statement celebrating International Women's Day. In point of fact, transgender women are biological men who identify as women. But that has not stopped proponents of the radical leftist gender ideology from repeating the preposterous claim that transgender women are women. Quote from Justin Trudeau. As we mark International Women's Day, we celebrate and recognize the achievements of women and girls in Canada and reaffirm our commitment to removing systemic barriers to advance gender equality in Canada and around the world, Trudeau said in the statement. Quote, with the disturbing recent rise in anti-transgender hate here in Canada, we iterate today that trans women are women and we will always stand up to hate whenever and wherever it occurs. I don't know if you realize this or not, but just because you disagree with the facts doesn't make the facts hateful. A woman is a bio, is a member of the human species that is uh, that is biologically female that is able to conceive children and have birth. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but men can't do that. And no amount of hormones or puberty blockers or surgeries or dresses or pink bows in your hair is going to change that biologic fact. Quote, the Biden administration honored a transgender woman at the International Women of Courage Award Ceremony at the White House on Wednesday. One of the award recipients was Alba Ruba, who, according to the United States State Department, is the special envoy for sexual orientation and gender identity in Argentina's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. 
International Trade and Worship. United States Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and First Lady Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. Yeah, well, she's not really a doctor. She's got a doctor of ed- doctorate in education or something. Anyway, but they both participated in the ceremony. Now, my first question is, why do we need a special envoy for sexual orientation and gender identity? I'm just going to assume that it's that we created that post to confuse the rest of the world. But not to be outdone, other world leaders and, and, and uh, uh, United States leaders weighed in. Quote, on this International Women's Day, I want to make it clear that trans women are women. They are welcome here, and any bill that harasses or threatens their safety will swiftly meet my veto stamp, Democratic Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs said in a tweet. Cori Bush from Missouri had a similar sentiment, and I quote, Wishing a happy International Women's Day to all women, cis, trans, femme, and non-binary folks celebrating today. The ACLU of Indiana claimed that celebration of International Women's Day includes supporting transgender women. First of all, transgender women are not women. They're men. Biologically, chromosomally, genetically, men. Now, the interesting, what what I found striking about yesterday is that you didn't hear one peep about International Women's Day in any of the Wyoming media. We in Wyoming should be well attuned to it. We were the first people to grant women um, universal suffrage. We We had the first female justice of the peace. We're going to talk about her in just a second. So you would think there would be at least some attention paid to International Women's Day in the great state of Wyoming. We are the equality state after all. But that's not what the rest of the media, the mainstream media, had to say. Here's a soundbite from Piers Morgan. Now, this one's actually kind of funny, and it's a little bit long, but you got to listen to the whole thing because the ending is just hilarious. If we need to, we'll do a little stop and start. But here's Piers Morgan's program. Tommy Lahren, let me start with you. Two, Two people in Britain today who've been at the forefront of not saying what a woman is. One is Nicola Sturgeon, the ex-First Minister of Scotland who lost her job because of this ridiculous farce of a rapist self-identifying. She tweeted today, proud on International Women's Day to visit my old University of Glasgow and banged on about women's rights. Uh, This is the woman who just literally lost her job for allowing a male rapist into a female prison in Parliament today, and yet he refuses to say what a woman is. Where are we with this? How has it come that leaders of parties in countries like the UK, and we see a lot of it in America as well, just won't say what a woman is. Well, first of all, I have to apologize to you because all of this wokeness originates here in the United States of America, and then we export it to you in the UK. Yes, you're to blame. So we started this really in in America. Yes, we are. You know, the wokeness starts here, and then it, of course, moves over. I'm proud to celebrate International Women's Day because I know what a woman is. So I would say, if you don't know what a woman is, you don't get to celebrate it. You don't get to pretend to be a feminist when it's helpful to you or helpful to your political narrative. You have to be able to define what a woman is. This is all a farce. They are seeking to erase women. And this is the radical rainbow mafia, as I call it. This is not your average LGBT activist. This is the rainbow mafia section of that radical LGBTQ movement that has made women less than and then has elevated all of this transgenderism and all of this pick your gender, identify as potato. They have hijacked the women's rights movement, the feminist movement, and actual feminists should be really pissed off about it. Well, as Okay, so we're going to stop right there, and then we'll continue here in just a second. But a couple of things. All of this woke business that you're seeing really has its, has its origins in Marxism. You see, you try to, in, in, in any Marxist ideology, you try to reduce everything to its lowest terms. And, you know, it either, it either rears its head in the form of racism or, in this case, your, your sexual identity. And part of part of the what you have to do with Marxism is you have to destroy things that people hold that people believe long held beliefs, because if you can get them to to believe in an absurdity, then you can believe you can get them to believe in anything in this case that men can become women. Okay, that is absolutely biologically impossible. Now, the other thing I would like to say on this is if you're above the age of majority, if you're over 18 and you want to do something to your body, that is entirely your right to do that. 
but don't make don't make me have to don't try to force me to believe in what you're doing and certainly you're not i'm not going to allow you to do it to young children a lot of the discussion in this year's legislative session was focused around two different bills well there was actually a number of bills but two big ones uh, one of them was called chloe's law it was sponsored by state senator anthony bouchard and it would have it would have banned transgender surgeries to minors and made it a crime to do so in the state of Wyoming. Now, there was a similar bill that was offered by Senator Charlie Scott. Now, that one got held in the speaker's drawer. Other bills that did not pass, uh, there was a couple of them on, on obscenity. And what they were trying to do is remove the exemption from teachers and librarians um, on as, as it relates to pornography, because right now in the state of Wyoming, if you're a teacher or a librarian, you're exempt from the obscenity statute. And as we've covered on this program a number of times in the in the past, uh, we do have this problem in the state of Wyoming. There are libraries across this state, some of which are school libraries that absolutely contain pornography. So there was a couple of bills on that and none of them made it. It's because the radical leftist agenda is alive and well in the, in, in the state of Wyoming. So let's continue with the soundbite. You've got to hear what Piers Morgan has to say. A feminist I am. Um, I recently interviewed uh, Angelica, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and I asked him this question, which seems to stump many other leaders. Here's the clip. What is a woman? We know that Nicola Sturgeon can't answer that. We know Keir Starmer can't answer that. You're the British Prime Minister. What is a woman? Yeah, I, of course I know a woman, an adult human female. It's not difficult, is it, Angelica? I mean, that is what a woman is. I mean, I don't know why you're obsessed with defining it. Like, what, what is a man? Like, why do we need these arbitrary... A man is a male adult human. Okay, as you're going to hear, this is the radical, the radical leftist that he's talking to on his program. But just listen really carefully to what she has to say. I mean, that's it. Right, okay, I don't know that we need... These, these, these are just these biological facts, but they're just facts. They're not, they're not arguable points, are they? But you, I think we have a right to self-identify. And you said as you what? want to... As if what? You, if well, you'd on. like to be a woman, you can identify as a woman. I don't know why there is such an issue around... We've that. literally just seen a... But that does not make you a woman. And that is the point. You can call yourself a giraffe if you want. It doesn't mean that you're, that you're 15 feet tall and covered in spots. You can claim to be whatever you want, but that doesn't change the, the, the facts. It doesn't make you into something that you're not, nor does it change biology or genetics. Male rapist used that scam to get himself put into a female prison where he could attack vulnerable women inside a female prison when even his ex-wife said it was all a scam. Which is a terrible, very distressing, isolated incident. And I think it's easy to isolated take that and incident. say, that means that no, no, no one can identify as a woman. And but that's, it's not an that's isolated not fair. incident, though. But, but it, it, it's... 42% of, of trans-identifying prisoners in prison are in there for sex crimes. There's actually an advantage, evidently, to identifying as a female, because they never identify as male, because somehow male prisons seem less appealing to them. It's really weird. Anyway... <laughs> is it, is it, lim is it limitless, now? this self-identity? It's not totally limitless. But limit? when, you're, when you're talking about International Women's Day, I don't know why we take the, the conversation around International Women's Day and make it about this. But if anyone, there's so many benefits. Right, but if anyone, according day. to you, can identify as a woman, anyone can, right? I, I don't see a problem with. Just literally put the hand up and say, "I'm a woman." But it, it's not an easy thing to do to go out into Actually, the world. It's very easy. Very easy. <laughs> you might think it's easy to say, but to decide to do that, to say, "What this is doing it involved?" Whatever that person decides, but to Doesn't go out into the world up? and say, I, I don't identify as perhaps the sex. So I why can't as, I identify? Not... Okay, why can't I identify as a black lesbian? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, I mean, it was well, I'm serious. Her. I'm serious. If I can identify as anything mm -hmm. without any need to prove I'm actually what that is, I, I why think... can't I on International Women's Day say, I'm Piers Morgan, I'm a black lesbian? I think taking it to a kind of absurd no, no. Status, I think, I think that's what you, about quite a with respect, I think that you would already opened the absurdity door by saying it is limitless. You can do what you like. And there is my point, my friends. If you take things to the absurd and you and you force people to believe in things that are just not true, then you can you can make them believe in absolutely anything that you want. I mean, it, it really is cultural Marxism. And it, I mean, it's just it's just another form of it. You know, a lot of times we look at Marxism and we think that it's all that it's all power and government related. And certainly it is. Um, but it takes the form of of seemingly innocent things in the beginning. 
you know, for example, when Obama was first elected, um, he he made a comment that we need a civilian police force just as well armed and just as effective as the FBI. Okay, why was he doing that? Well, he was he was trying to divest people of their government, trying to set them apart. And this is another way that this is done. It just so happens that it's being done with sex and gender. And the truth is, if you can if if you can allow leaders to to put sexual orientation and sexual identity and sexual education into schools, you can start teaching these people at a very young age. And my question is, what's going to happen to these young children who are being taught all of this all of the sexual identity and sex education when they're kindergartens, what's going to happen in 20 years? How much harm are we actually doing? Now, if you missed the the interview I did with U.S. Representative Harriet Hageman, you need to go back and listen to it because she talks about these very things, that what damage are we doing to young people? So this is how the media covered International Women's Day. After the break, I'm going to show you how the how the state of Wyoming should have covered International Women's Day. We've got some giants in Wyoming history. One of them is named Esther Hobart Morris. Now, I've talked about her on the program before, but um, after the break, I'm going to give you a little bit, some more details about her. So let's go to the break, and then we'll come back. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. has a snap a statue in the Capitol extension down at our Capitol building in Cheyenne if you've never been there you walk into the Capitol building and you go downstairs and there's this extension where all of the committee rooms are at and at the end of the hall there are two statues one of them is of Hester Esther Hobart Morris now who was she the definitive history book on Wyoming is called the history of Wyoming by T.A. Larson points out that Esther Hobart Morris really didn't have that much to do in the state of Wyoming until she was appointed to be this country's first justice of the peace. From the New York Times, in an article entitled Overlooked No More, she followed a trail to Wyoming, then she blazed one. This was printed in 2018. And I quote, In December of 1869, about 50 years before Congress ratified the 19th Amendment, the territory of Wyoming granted women there the right to vote and to hold public office. It was a chapter in in the women's suffrage movement that the New York Times only noted in a single sentence. But we didn't stop there. Um, A few 
within a few months, we had sworn in the country's first female jurors, and we had appointed Esther Hobart Morris to be the first justice of the peace. Now, she was born in, in, on August 8th, 1814 in Tioga County, New York, where she was orphaned as a child and then apprenticed as a seamstress. Um, in 1841, she married Artemis Slack, a civil engineer, and they had one son. When Slack died, she moved to Peru, Illinois, and then she married again, and her and her new husband uh, moved to South Pass City, Wyoming, a gold rush boom in the Wyoming, it's a boom town in the Wyoming, um, which had been established the previous year. Some accounts suggest that Morris spent her first months in South Pass City championing the cause of women's voting rights and pushing for a bill establishing these rights. According to T.A. Larson, this is not true, that she really didn't have that much involvement in the women's suffrage movement before she was before she was a justice of the peace. Now, certainly she advocated for uh, women's suffrage, but as far as sponsoring bills and being that much involved, she really wasn't. From the article, and I quote, but what isn't disputed is that in February of 1870, Morris was appointed Justice of the Peace, the first woman to hold that position. She was 55 years old and had been living in South Pass City for less than a year. Her job wasn't easy. Although South Pass City's population peaked at only about 2,000, in 1869, the town was home to two breweries, a dozen saloons, and several brothels. During Morris's eight and a half months in office, she proved to be an effective public ser servant. But as you might imagine, the mainstream media at the time was, no, was really no different than they are right now. The contemporary news outlets found the idea of a female judge to be somewhat amusing. In an April 1870 issue, Frank Leslie's illustrated newspaper recounted her first day in court. Now, he didn't talk about what the case was or what her ruling was. The only thing he focused on is what she was wearing, and that was a calico gown, a worsted breakfast shawl, green ribbons in her hair, and a green necktie. Now, after a few cases, that same newspaper printed, printed an article in which they called Morris the terror of all rogues, and she offered infinite delight to all lovers of peace and virtue. So, although Esther Hobart Morris did not spend that much time as a justice of the peace in Wyoming, those eight and a half months were significant. When Wyoming became a state nearly two decades later, Morris was honored and respected for her great ability and heroic womanhood. She was given a prominent role in, a company, in an accompanying celebration. The Cheyenne Daily Sun reported in July of 1890 that when Morris was 75, she was retired, she presented Wyoming's flag to Governor F.E. Warren, Francis E. Warren, on behalf of the women of Wyoming and in grateful recognition of the high privilege of citizenship that has been conferred upon us. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of this segment, we haven't, we haven't forgotten her. Her statue still sits in the Capitol building down in the extension. But the story doesn't end there, because after she retired, she very much did get involved in the women's suffrage movement. And at our constitutional convention, now, even though there's no evidence that she actually did this, delegates to the convention claimed that she had sponsored a bill that would have allowed women's suffrage. Now, if you've never, again, if you've never read T.A. Larson's book, you really need to. There's a great passage about the Constitutional Convention here and women's suffrage. Uh, let me just read it to you. Campbell's proposal uh, called forth eloquent pleas against a separate vote for Baxter. I yield to no man in the homage and adoration which I feel and which upon all proper occasions I gladly pay to a pure and lovely woman. Let us catch inspiration from the glorious features of nature around us, the grand valleys, the lifting, uh, lifting mountains and reverberating hills and floating clouds above them. Now, they were. this is how the debate at the Constitutional Convention concerning women's suffrage started out. A lot of the delegates spoke very, very eloquently. In fact, Charles Burrett, a uh, guy from Buffalo said, if they will not let us in with this plank in our Constitution, we will stay out forever. See, at the time of the Constitutional Convention, just about everybody was convinced we were going to go for women's suffrage. So once, once the Constitution was finished and our application for statehood had been delivered to the United States Congress, here's what ensued. Again, from T.A. Larson's books, book. 
The House of Representatives was a major hurdle. Member after member rose to complain that the proceedings leading to the Constitutional Convention had been irregular. The territory's population was too small. The educational qualification for voting was improper and women's suffrage should not be permitted. The Democrats who raised most of the objections probably were more distressed at the prospect of another Republican state than they were about women's suffrage. But with Republicans in control of both houses of Congress, it would hardly do to argue publicly against adding a Republican state. So they talked unconvincingly about the evils of women's suffrage. And the end, my friend, my friends, is history. Wyoming did grant women the right to vote, to hold public office, and we enshrined a couple of things in the Wyoming Constitution that I think that you should read. Article 1, Section 2. In their inherent right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, all members of the human race are equal. And Section 3, and here's where the women's suffrage thing comes in. Quote, since equality in the enjoyment of natural and civil rights is only made sure through political equality, the laws of this state affecting the political rights and privileges of its citizens shall be without distinction of race, color, sex, or any circumstance or condition whatsoever other than individual incompetency or unworthiness duly ascertained by a court of competent jurisdiction. So once Wyoming had been admitted into the union, women's suffrage was now would take off. And after that, several states, though it would take several years before other states to grant women the right to vote, Wyoming started it. Now, my friends, this is exactly how we should have celebrated International Women's Day. But as I pointed out, not a single news outlet in the state of Wyoming did that. Moving to Florida. In an article from The Blaze, entitled, Ron DeSantis Exposes Book Ban Hoax, Displays Sexually Explicit Texts Found in Books. Now, this is also an issue that we've been covering um, at some length on the program. But here's what Ron DeSantis said yesterday. Quote, we're going to expose exactly the books that parents are concerned about. You guys will not even be able to put it on your air because it's going to be so graphic, DeSantis told reporters after his State of the State address on Tuesday. And according to reports, his predi prediction came to fruition as some members of the media reportedly cut their feeds during the presentation due to sexually explicit content. Now, this isn't constrained to Florida, my friends. The exact same thing happened in Gillette, Wyoming, about a year and a half ago. Some irritated parents took some of the books from the Gillette Public Library to the county commissioner's meeting and proceeded to read passages from them during the meeting. Now, because the Gillette County Commissioner's meetings are broadcast on public access TV, the TV had to cut the broadcast because what was being read was too graphic. And yet we allow these books in school. From the article, quote, here are the books found, uh, parents found in Florida schools and reported to their school districts for removal. What was found is shocking, graphic, and, and this is from the presentation. We warn you, it is not appropriate for children. It continued before introducing the first book called Flamer by Mike Curato. The, the, camp, the camp the boys go to in the book has an island that the book says looks like a frying pan. Quote, but we're all certain it looks like blank and blank. The narrator said, citing a text from the book as the screen showcased images directly from the book. Another presentation also featured a graphic book, Let's Talk About It, A Teen's Guide to Sex, Relationships, and Being Human, which some have already considered to be pornographic in nature. The book was removed from the Broward County Schools, as Breitbart News detailed. Uh, regardless, this book offers graphic depictions of how to masturbate, while also including an entire section for anal sex. Now ask yourselves, my friends, does any of this content need to be in schools and do you as a taxpayer wanna pay for it? My guess is absolutely not. There is no reason why schools should be taking, taking the place of parents. <clears throat> Excuse me, from the article. And then they talked about gender queer. It's a graphic novel depicting masturbation and, and encouraging trans surgery by equating the scars from top surgery to, uh, the cutting off of females' breasts with a tattoo. The narrator added, as the presentation ultimately asked, if you can't discuss these books in a school board meeting, how are they appropriate to children? Now, the reason I bring this up again is there were claims made by Speaker of the House Albert Somers that none of this is happening in Wyoming. 
Well, that's patently untrue on its face. These things are happening in Wyoming. This material is in our public schools and our public libraries, and you, my friends, have paid for it. And what the Wyoming legislature did about it? Absolutely nothing. I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but it's snowing here at Cowboy State Politics Northern Command. Yes, still snowing. And I hate to break it to you, but more than likely, we have two more months of this stuff to endure. Which means that you get to listen to that lovely wife of yours telling you to get outside and go shovel the walk. Now, there's only one thing worse than having to shovel the walk... That's having cold feet while you're doing it. Now, to prevent this, you should get some socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. They're the warmest socks that you're ever going to put on your feet. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with the really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. Last week, the state of Wyoming had yet another first. It was the first year that female wrestling would be offered at the state tournament. Now, all of this is made possible by something called Title IX. Title IX mandates that, that there have to be equal, and, uh, equal sports for both men and women in high school. And since there's been an increase in the amount of uh, girls that want to participate in wrestling, it was offered at the state tournament. Now, all of the things that we discussed before the break about all of this, this sex and gender and transgender stuff and, and women, or men in women's sports is going to lead to the destruction of Title IX. Title IX was started in 1974, I believe, um, at, at, at a point where there were not girls' sports. And since then, there, there are girls' sports for just about everything. All of this entire transgender movement, the, the in schools, the men in women's sports is going to destroy Title IX because no longer are you going to have fair competition between girls in middle school and high school athletics. Now, fortunately, the state of Wyoming passed a bill concerning men and women's sports. Now, they, they pretty much amended the crap out of it, uh, but at least there's legislation that was passed. Here's a little piece from the Heritage Foundation talking about Title IX. The Department of Education plans to redefine sex in Title IX to include gender identity. This change will affect every private space, housing accommodation, bathroom, locker room, sports program, or other offering at any educational institution funded by government dollars. Men have distinct, unchangeable physical advantages over women from greater lung capacity to higher muscle mass, and their inclusion in women's sports will destroy Title IX. That means the protections I had as a teenager are about to be torn away from my own teenage daughter. Womanhood is not puberty blockers, surgery, lipstick, or clothing. Womanhood is not a costume. It is an immutable, biological, chromosomal reality that can't be overcome, and it deserves the continued protections of Title IX. Absolutely, it does. We must protect female sports in high school. And all, a lot of the policies that are being pushed in the state of Wyoming are going to destroy it. So all of you dads out there, if you like your, like your little girls playing in sports, basketball and volleyball, and now wrestling, you need to encourage your school districts to stop all of this craziness. Now, I'm sure that you've been hearing a lot about what Tucker Carlson published on his 
on his program. I, I think he started on uh, Tuesday night about all of the January 6th footage that Kevin McCarthy gave him. And if you watched any of it, um, you can see that it clearly was not the super, super violent protest or, you know, insurrection that the January 6th co committee claimed that it was. In fact, if you watch the video, you'll pretty much conclude that our legislators, including our former Crickets Cheney, was straight lying to us for political, you know, for political benefit. What is shown in the videos is a lot of people wandering in and around the Capitol being escorted by police. In fact, the guy that was wearing that strange outfit with the horns coming out of his head, he was escorted all the way through the Capitol. He was even the, the Capitol police even offered to open doors for him. Now, why would they do that if he was the violent extremist that the media made him out to be? So here's a piece, and I think it's really important to listen to this. Um, it's, it's a little bit long, but I think you have to understand that what happened on January 6th is not what, is, what you were told it was. It's not what Liz Cheney said it was, nor anybody on the January 6th committee. And unfortunately, there's a number of Republican legislators um, that, are, that are claiming that Tucker Carlson is lying. From Breitbart News, in an article entitled, GOP Senators Angry Tucker Carlson Accurately Described the January 6th uh, event as mostly peaceful, written yesterday by Annie, Anna Moneymaker. Quote, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, among other rhinos, lashed out at Fox News anchor Tucker Carlson for accurately describing the mostly peaceful protest. You remember that that phrase from CNN when uh, BLM was burning down cities? They described it as mostly peace, peaceful. This one actually was. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and other Senate Republicans lashed out at conservative Fox News host Tucker Carlson on Tuesday after he characterized the deadly January 6th attack on the Capitol as mostly peaceful chaos. Now, the only person that really died during the January 6th um, um, riot, we'll just say it, call it what it is, was Ashley Babbitt. She was killed by a Capitol police officer, and there's nobody has been held accountable for that whatsoever. On that day, a lot of people incited violence and committed acts of vandalism. Now, this is from uh, Senator Tom Tillis. And my guess is that more than a few of them were agents of the fascist FBI engaging in all kinds of unconstitutional behavior. The Disgrace Bureau is infamous for anyone guilty of violence on that day should be punished. I believe that. And so does Tucker Carlson. He said so Monday night. This is not a difficult line to draw. Those people who committed crimes during January 6th absolutely need to be punished need to be punished. But there's a number of people who have been held without trial for two years over doing nothing no more um, nothing no more nefarious than being on the Capitol grounds. There's one grandmother that is still in custody, and all she did was walk onto the Capitol grounds, and they've thrown her in solitary confinement for over two years. But an overwhelming number of peaceful protesters remained peaceful and outnumbered the violent ones, who, again, they deserve jail time, by a wide mile. And so the science makes clear that mostly peaceful is accurate. And why wouldn't these peaceful protesters have remained peaceful with the Capitol Police as their own personal tour guides? In the soundbite that I'm about to play for you, you'll you'll be able to recognize that that's absolutely what happened. So let's let's take a listen to this and we'll probably have to do uh, a little a little stop and start with it. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touch. 
Now, I'll post a video, uh, a link to the video at CowboyStatePolitics.com. But when you watch it, he's just walking very calmly through the Capitol. He's not destroying anything. And there are two, through the majority of it, there are two Capitol Police officers that are following him. Now, if he was committing crimes, wouldn't you think that those Capitol Police officers would have arrested him? Well, they didn't. Here's some more from the audio. ...distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would he have shot him? Shoot him. Shoot him. It makes you wonder, who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley. And the video proves that. But you would never have known from the media coverage. The people sitting in the chairs need to be sitting in a jail cell. Chansley is in a jail cell. He's been there for months. If he was, in fact, committing such a grave crime, why didn't the officers who were standing right next to him place him under arrest? Until now, no one could even prove that even happened. But it did. Yes, it most definitely did. And there are a number of people that are still in jail for doing the exact same thing that Jacob Chansley did. This is a this is a perfect case of where your government is lying to, to you, which, by the way, is against the law, not that they even follow it anyway. You have to demand accountability from your senators and representatives. Now, fortunately, in the state of Wyoming, we have Harriet Hageman, who is our our lone congresswoman. She sits on the committee. And again, if you listen to the interview I did with Harriet and I published it yesterday, um, you can clearly hear her talk about the committees that she's on and the things that she's investigating. But uh, we have to demand accountability, my friends. That's the only way we're going to solve any of these things. After the break, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment Preservation Act, not the one in Wyoming, but the one in Missouri that everybody last year was all fired up about. I've got some things that I want to say about that. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them, and the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings, and it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. time listener to the program, you'll remember that during last year's session, 
we passed what was what what is called the Second Amendment Protection Act. It was a bill that was sponsored by Senator Larry Hicks of Bags. And I mean, first of all, it's kind of ridiculous that we have to pass a law that says you have to follow the Second Amendment. But the times we live in, I guess that you do. I devoted an, a lot of time on this program to educating my listeners as to what exactly the Second Amendment Protection Act was all about, what it would do, and why we needed to pass it. A gun group in Wyoming called, well, they're not actually based in Wyoming, they're based in New York, but they're, they call themselves Wyoming gun owners, engaged in a campaign to try to get a boycott started against my sponsors. They published videos online. There was lots of Facebook posts all about this program and about me. They attacked me from where I go to church and who my minister is. And their whole, their whole thing was that the Wyoming the law, Wyoming law that we passed was not the same as the Missouri law. That's what they kept repeating. They were vicious. Well, today, my friends, we find out that they weren't really telling you the truth. They weren't explaining exactly what the Second Amendment Protection Act was doing, nor were they representing the Missouri law correctly. From the Missouri Independent, in an article that was published on March 7th entitled, Federal judge rules Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act unconstitutional. Quote, a federal judge on Tuesday struck down a controversial Missouri law known as the Second Amendment Preservation Act that penalizes police for enforcing federal gun laws. U.S. District Court Judge Brian Wimes ruled that the 2021 Missouri law is unconstitutional and invalid, quote, invalid, null, void, and of no effect. Quote, state and local law enforcement officials in Missouri may lawfully participate in joint federal task forces assist in the investigation and enforcement of federal firearms crimes, Wimes wrote in his decision, and fully share information with the federal government without fear of penalties. Last year, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against Missouri's law um, and has under that they claim undermined federal drug and weapons investigations. Among its provisions, the law says the law enforcement agencies will face a $50,000 fine if they infringe on Missourians' Second Amendment rights. Some of those laws include imposing certain taxes on firearms, requiring gun owners to register their weapons, and laws prohibiting law-abiding residents from possessing and transferring their guns. The essential point of this is that a district judge has struck down the law. Now, it will be appealed, and that decision is probably going to be overturned. But here is my point. For probably a solid four months, this program and myself was solidly attacked by Wyoming gun owners. And again, a boycott was they tried to get a boycott started of my sponsors, and they claimed that Wyoming's law was weak and it was toothless and it did nothing. Now, the provisions of Wyoming's law does exactly what I just described. It prohibits any employee in the state of Wyoming from assisting federal um, federal officials in the enforcement of gun mandates. That is executive orders or rules that have not been that have not made it through Congress. So any law that violates the Constitution is null and void. This is a principle called nullification. Now the only difference between what what the Wyoming law does and what the Missouri law does is, and I'll just read it to you right from the law itself. You can find this at senate.missouri.gov. Quote, under this act, no public officer or state, state or local employee has the authority to enforce firearms laws declared invalid by the act. Okay, that's the same as the Wyoming law. Second paragraph, any public officer or state local employee who tries to enforce the firearms law declared invalid by the act or any person who acts under the color of law to deprive a Missouri citizen of rights or privileges insured by a federal state constitution shall be subject to a civil penalty of $50,000 per employee hired by the law enforcement agency. This is where the Wyoming law differs from the Missouri law. Um, our version of it puts in a criminal penalty for violations of the act, and it's a $2,000 fine or a year in jail. I would say that more often than not, a criminal penalty is far worse than a civil penalty. But the rest of the Missouri law reads pretty much the same as, as the Wyoming law. I'll quote it for you. Additionally, a person shall have standing, except for this part, forgot about this, a person shall have standing to pursue any action for injunctive relief in the circuit court of the county. Um, now, the, the reason why the Wyoming law doesn't contain a standing provision is that would violate separate the separation of powers. 
the legislature cannot tell a judge what to hear and what not to hear. Now, if there's criminal statute like the Wyoming law, absolutely. If it's prosecuted by by a county official or the attorney general, absolutely, they will have to hear that criminal infraction. But this Missouri law says that a judge will give someone standing if they believe their Second Amendment rights have been violated. That will probably violate the separation of powers. And then the last section of this Missouri law says that um, it, it shall not be a violation of this act to provide aid to federal officials who are in pursuit of a suspect when there is demonstrable criminal nexus with another state or county. So in other words, if there's somebody traveling through Missouri and the feds need help tracking them down, then local officials can help them. Now, the reason I bring this up is this is yet another attack on your Second Amendment rights. But secondly, it shows you the wisdom of our state legislators that they didn't include the civil penalty in there simply because it probably would violate the separation of powers. Now, the reason why the judge struck down the Missouri law is that he said it violates the supremacy clause. Now, the supremacy clause says that United States law trumps state law, but that is only within the enumerated powers in the Constitution. If there's any law that strays outside of the bounds of the Constitution, well, that is left up to the states per the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. So this is the, is the central point of nullification, that if there, is, if there is a law that's passed that is not within the bounds of the Constitution, that is in the enumerated powers, then that is left up to the states to decide. And this situation happens to be one of those. The federal Constitution does not grant the federal government the ability to regulate firearms. Now, we all kind of agree, most of us kind of agree, that there has to be a few restrictions on the type of weapons that you can own, but those have to be very, very few. And we don't, and frankly, there are enough laws on the books right now that we don't need to pass anymore. My point, the point I'm making, my friends, is that in the state of Wyoming, we've worked hard to support Second Amendment rights. At least we did until this year's past legislative session. And I just wanted to make the point that, you know, all of the all of the attacks that this program endured from Wyoming gun owners last year, none of them were accurate. And you can take that one to the bank. I'll post I'll post links to everything I've just mentioned to, at CowboyStatePolitics.com so that you can read it for yourself. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk again on Saturday. From the base of the I'm David Ivers, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.